Well, good morning. <coughs> so uh, this morning's readings are a selection from Ecclesiastes, from chapter 2, 5 and 3, and Melinda will unpack those shortly. So I came to hate life, because everything done here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave it to others, everything I've earned. And who can tell whether my successes will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless. So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This too is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labour are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings ha true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth? Except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. People who work hard sleep well, whether they eat a little or much, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. Even so, I have noticed one thing, at least, that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. And it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and to accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. What do people really get for their hard work? I have seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So, I concluded there is nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labour. For these are gifts from God. Ecclesiastes is always fun reading. <laughs> like, where are we going to go with that? Um, Ecclesiastes, I think, is a uh, challenging book, one of the most challenging probably in the whole Bible perhaps one of the most controversial, a bit confusing and bewildering, and it can seem quite pessimistic and quite dark. But it is one of these wisdom books, and we're sitting in the wisdom literature at the moment, looking at this perspective uh, that the people of the Old Testament had, where they invite us to consider, to stop, to pause, to look around us, to notice the things of life, and then to reflect on them. Essentially, the wisdom books undertake what we might call theological reflection. They observe what is going on, and then they enter into it and ask questions and say, what does this teach us about what it means to be human, about the kind of God that God is, about how the world works? 
Um, and so sitting in the wisdom literature, I think, is already taking us to some pretty interesting places. If you were here two weeks ago and Tammy uh, talked about considering the mamas uh, and we learned from the women of Tanzania about how God is like a mother and an aunt. Uh, and then last week we had Jeremy and Elliot uh, look at the human body, in particular the pancreas, and who knew you could learn so much from just one small, tiny organ? Um, a couple of weeks before that, actually, when we introduced this series, I gave you a rock and we actually asked the question of just a, like one simple stone, how much might you, or what might you learn about that? Has anyone still got their rock? Oh, look at that. That's amazing. Still carrying it around as a reminder uh, to consider. And I hope there are things that you are noticing. We talked about noticing what's happening in the world, um, naming it, saying it out loud, and then reflecting on it and asking those questions about it. So when it comes to Ecclesiastes, there's, there's really a number of things that he looks at, but I think to sum up what Ecclesiastes is talking about, he really is reflecting on what you might call the daily grind, what life is like for many people. Um, the writer of Ecclesiastes has this phrase, he talks about life under the sun. And so it's really, he looks around at what human life looks like, um, at people around him and even sometimes at his own experience of life and says, it's a bit of a grind. It's a bit of a, you might call it the rat race, um, or the, the routine and the mundane work. Toil is another word that he uses, the burdens of daily life. And then he reflects on them and asks questions about them. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning, is try and consider the daily grind. Uh, it sounds like a fun topic, doesn't it? But it's a reality in which we live. It might be that we look at other people. I don't know about you, but I look at that picture, um, you know, and sometimes I find myself, if I'm, I live in the city, and if I'm driving through the city, particularly at, um, or walking through the city, but particularly if I'm driving past and it's like peak hour and there's people coming out of their offices and getting onto public transport and heading home, and you see this kind of routine, almost unthinking, just like, system of life happening where all these people are kind of disconnected and nobody's talking to each other and they're just doing the thing and it feels and it's the same every day and watching that and looking at a picture like that you think what what is going on what's happening in all those people's lives and and what are they all doing what are they striving for what are they seeking or it might be that sometimes you look at your own day and it feels like a bit of a grind that you get up in the morning and you think what i'm going to do today is exactly what i did yesterday Sometimes the daily grind is about the work that we undertake or the time and season in life. Sometimes the daily grind is literally just getting out of bed in the morning and the hard work that it can be just to live in this world. And the writer of Ecclesiastes wants to take us to what we might see as quite a dark and pessimistic place, but ask the question, what does this teach us about God? What does this lead us to? There's no point pretending that this is not what the world is like, but how might God be wanting to speak into it? And for us, how might we see King Jesus in the midst of the daily grind? And there's this reality that we're all in, um, this daily grind. How do we consider that, um, like take time to notice it and name it and reflect on it, and what might it be saying to us about who Jesus is? So... I wanted to ask the question, how does Ecclesiastes do this? How does Ecclesiastes consider the daily grind? And I've been reading through Ecclesiastes the last couple of weeks and I was really struggling to get a handle on this, which is kind of funny because that's really what Ecclesiastes is about. Um, but what I realised is Ecclesiastes is not linear. It's, you can't read through Ecclesiastes and kind of start at the beginning and get somewhere at the end. You'll just be depressed. Like it doesn't really go anywhere. There is a little glimmer of hope at the end. There's actually a couple of glimmers of hope along the way and then it's repetitive and they can kind of keep saying the same things over and over. And so once I realised this, I thought oh, that's actually very Hebrew, very Old Testament. Um, it's very Western of us to kind of want a starting point and a finishing point and it all makes logical sense along the way. 
But the daily grind doesn't work like that. It's actually often quite repetitive and circular and messy and there's good things and bad things and then they go back to the good things and back to the bad things. And that's really how this book of Ecclesiastes works. So what I've tried to do, see if this works, it's kind of represented as a circle because I think there's some key things that Ecclesiastes has to say about the daily grind that might resonate for some of us and may not resonate for you um, that kind of do form this almost circle of reflections. It goes something like this. I'll give you the whole thing and then we'll unpack it. It goes something like this. I think the writer of Ecclesiastes says basically that the daily grind is hard. Living life in this world is difficult. It can feel meaningless and it can feel like it's hard to get a hold of. But we have to do it. It's what it means to live in this world. And yet we are never satisfied or content. We can never have enough. But we can't take it with us. We actually, whatever we do achieve, we, let, we lose sight of that as well. We have to let that go as well. But we can and should find satisfaction in the daily grind as much as we can because it's a gift that we have this life and the ability to work and participate in it. And I think in the end, uh, his conclusion is that meaning has to come from outside of the daily grind. And it's when we try to find ultimate meaning in this kind of cycle and circle of the ups and the downs and the challenges and the routines of daily life that it can feel meaningless. And you might have, if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, and as Delete read to us this morning, there's this key word, it's used about 40 times in the book of Ecclesiastes. The writer says, everything is meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. We go, excellent, what a great book to preach an inspiring sermon from. But he's not saying that there's no meaning in life. So we've got to be careful, as I said, Ecclesiastes is a bit challenging and controversial because I don't actually think he's saying there's no meaning because there are places where he does find meaning. But really is saying this is what life under the sun, life in the daily grind, life in the rat race feels like. It can feel really meaningless. We can have a sense of it's just not worth all the effort that we put into it. And it's worth paying attention to that feeling, whether it's something you currently experience in your life or whether you see it in other people. I think it's a feeling that most of us can relate to at some point or another. When you just stop and look at what you're doing and you think, what is it all for? What is the point? Why am I going through the motions every day? The other thing that's really worth unpacking is the word itself, meaningless. Um, the Bible Project have a great video on Ecclesiastes. I thought about showing it this morning, but it's a little dark. Um, but if you're interested in unpacking the book of Ecclesiastes any uh, further after today, highly recommend we might check it up in the Facebook group um, to watch the video the Bible Project have done. But the, the word that the writer uses is actually really hard for us to translate and get hold of. And so most of NIV and NLT use the word meaningless. Uh, the King James famously translates it as vanity. Vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. Um, the Hebrew word is hebel, and literally it means mist or vapor or smoke. Right? Now, it's being used metaphorically, so he's not saying everything is mist, you know, but, but he's trying to capture something. What is mist, wind, smoke, vapor, it's something that you can see and then when you try to catch hold of it, there's nothing there. And that's the feeling that he's trying to capture. Like it feels substantial and then we just can never quite get a hold of it. And that's how it can feel living in the daily grind. So how do we consider that and reflect on what God might be saying to us through it? You can't grab hold of it. You can't logic your way out of it. You can't see through it. You kind of have to notice it and reflect on it. So I want to talk about some of the key things I think he says. So one of the key things in Ecclesiastes is really just how difficult it is. It's all too hard. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever woken up in the morning and just gone, it's all too hard, I just want to pull the covers back over my head and I'm just going to sleep for the rest of the day because it is just all too hard. Life can feel difficult. There's a reason why we call it the daily grind. 
because it can be wearing. Um, sometimes um, you can, the, the media does these like rankings of jobs, like the most difficult jobs or the most um, stressful jobs. I looked at one list of the most stressful jobs in the world, apparently. Uh, enlisted military, yeah, fighting in a war is probably pretty stressful. Firefighters, airline pilots, sorry about that, Andrew. Um, police, event coordinators, I don't know how they made it onto that list, um, and taxi drivers. Apparently they're the most stressful jobs. Or you can look at the most dangerous jobs, landmine removers. Oh yeah, that's probably not a job I'd like to have. But also oil rig workers, prison officers, sanitation workers, roofers, and astronauts. I don't think we've got any of those in our chat. But so we can go, oh, other people's jobs are much more stressful and dangerous. But you know what, I think all of us face this feeling that it is just all too hard sometimes. It might be because your job is physically demanding on you. Know, jobs that are manual labour and feel like back-breaking work. Um, when you look around the world at the number of people whose daily lives are things like walking kilometres to get water for their family so that they can get through the day, it is just hard work in the hot sun, physical labour. It might be because it's mentally taxing and tiring and you just feel like, I haven't got the brain space and the energy to just keep doing this. It might be hard because of the relationships, uh, whether it's the nature of the job of working with people and people can be frustrating and annoying sometimes, as Greg uh, said, or because the particular people that you are in a confined space with every day are not the easiest people to relate to. It might be hard because it's boring and it's repetitive um, or it might be hard because it's really harrowing. I was thinking about probably the hardest job that I've ever had. Um, my background before I went into ministry was I'd studied law and I worked for the Director of Public Prosecutions as a legal clerk. Um, and I worked on a bunch of trials and every single one of them was a child sexual assault trial. And working for the prosecution, you know, the, you know, working with the police and, you know, we had so many people we could have charged and taken to trial. You really only take the worst of the worst, the ones that you absolutely know from the evidence that you have access to are completely guilty. And I worked in eight trials and we didn't get a single guilty verdict out of all of them. We had mistrials and we had people who got off and it was so difficult to carry the weight of that. So there's so many different reasons why we experience this sense of what is it for? What's the point? Why am I doing this? Am I making a difference at all? How do we reflect on that? How do we consider that feeling? What does that say when we notice and pay attention to the reality of our world that it is difficult to live in this life? Well, I wonder, I think Greg helped me actually reflect on this as we were talking during this week. There's that sense that actually while it's difficult, we actually don't want it to be too easy either. That it's in those challenging spaces that there is room to grow and to learn and to be stretched. And so somehow the fact that it's hard says something about what it means to be human, that we want to be growing, we want to be stretched, we want to be challenged. And yet, because Ecclesiastes would always go back and forth and back and forth, well, we want to be stretched and grown, we actually don't want to be <laughs> overstretched. We don't want to be uh, put all the pressure and responsibility on us. We don't want to feel like ultimately this is the only thing there is. So there's this kind of tension of there is something in it that says this is what it means to be human to grow and to do difficult things and to learn and to be, uh, be participating more and more. And yet, to live in this world as a human being is really, really difficult. Are you depressed already? <laughs> the next thing Ecclesiastes says over and over again is, while it's really difficult and sometimes we just want to pull the covers over our head, we actually can't opt out. We have to participate in the daily grind. 
We have to do this. It's a necessary experience of life. It's part of what it means to be human. There is no pause button. Sometimes for a time, maybe, we can hit pause and take a day, day off, take a mental health day. Uh, it might be tempting to opt out, and certainly different people have different limitations. But on the whole, Ecclesiastes says, it's part of our lot. Part of living in this world is participating in the daily routines of toil, of work, of community, of survival, of providing for ourselves and for others. And you know, it's great that some people get to do what they love, and so you might listen to what I'm saying this morning, or you might read, read Ecclesiastes and just go, can't relate, actually, I love my daily life. It's amazing. But for lots of people, sometimes we just have to get through it because we have to survive. Again, how do we reflect on that reality, that this is a part of life? We have to work, we have to participate in the daily grind. Reflecting on this, I think, takes me back to the very beginning of the biblical story because there's a tension inherent in the whole story of God that we are actually created to work. While we might talk about work as a negative thing, I think the writer of Ecclesiastes is careful to use the language of toil and of hard labour uh, and of the daily grind rather than work in and of itself. Because the fact that we have to do it actually points to a deeper reality that we are created to work. For people who can't work at all, who actually have that taken away from them, there can be a real sense of loss of meaning and purpose and even identity because it is part of what we were created to do. Work is actually, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, a gift from God that we have been given. But because there's always a bite in Ecclesiastes, we're always going to go around in circles, but it has been broken, it has been marred, it has been cursed by sin, by the entrance of sin into the world. And this life under the sun, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, while there's a hint that we can reflect on who we are created to be, in the image of a God who works, we are created to work, and yet we live in a world where work is hard, and broken and difficult uh, and there is sin and evil permeating everything that we do. And so somehow the we have to enables us again to reflect on this both end of there's something in here that points to a depth of who we are and who God created us to be and there's something in here that points to this is not the way things should be. It shouldn't be this hard. Let me keep moving and hopefully we'll get somewhere when we go around the end. I don't want to just depress you all too much. Thirdly, uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes says a number of times it's never enough. Even if we do work hard and we do achieve and we get status and we earn wealth and income and we, uh, we feel like we're getting somewhere, we never actually finally arrive. It's never enough. We always want more. So while it can feel like times there's a positive of getting ahead, striving never actually gets us anywhere. And he says the more we have, the more we want, and the more we want, the more we have, and the more we want, and the more we have, and the more, and it, there's no end in sight. Again, there's a reason we call it the rat race, because people are competing, and yet nobody wins. There's nothing that's kind of there at the end. It's hebel, it's meaningless. We're striving after something that we can't actually get hold of. There's so many stories of people throughout our culture and throughout history who've got to what they thought was the top, and then realised there's actually another mountain to climb. <laughs> and then they climb their way all up that mountain and they think they've achieved the greatest status and position and wealth that they could ever want, and then they realise there's more. 
or story after story of people who get what they thought they wanted and realise it isn't all it's cracked up to be. And actually, they still find <laughs> that it's just the daily grind. Again, wow, what a depressing place to sit. It's life under the sun. I'm jumping to the end here, but I would say life without Jesus is a daily grind and there's never enough and you're never going to reach what you think you're striving for. We all think we're in a competition, but there's nothing to win. There's no prize at the end of it. So when we reflect on this, this reality that so many people around us and maybe even us are caught up in trying to achieve something that actually is not there, it's just a mist, it's ephemeral. How do we consider and reflect on that? There must be more. There must be more to life than this striving and chasing after the wind. Probably related, uh, but the writer of Ecclesiastes does say a number of times, and particularly in chapter 5, not only do we never get enough, but even if we think we've got what we wanted, so we're like, okay, I'll lower my expectations and I don't want the prize, but I'll just take what I've got. We actually can't take that with you anyway. So even what you do get, you're going to have to let go of in the end. That's uh, so why the Bible Project video is pretty dark. It like, has this whole section on we're all going to die, um, which is kind of depressing, but also completely and utterly true. Okay, the mortality rate in Australia is about 100%, as it is in every other country in the world. We are all going to die, and we're not going to take any of this with us. What we do amass and do achieve in the end will fade. Our life is but a blink. Everybody dies, and nobody takes it with them. You could go to Egypt and you see those famous pyramids, which are such a marvel of human architecture, and we do still visit them. But you know they were built as the tombs of the pharaohs, and they were built so big because they wanted to be buried with all of their wealth they had amassed throughout their lives. And it's all still there, well, or it's been robbed by grave robbers since. <laughs> None of them took it with them. One of the pyramids, I can't remember which one it is, but one of them there was, was open when I was there. And there's like this boat that the guy had buried with him. He had his whole massive ship that he'd spent his lifetime working on and it's still there. He's gone. He didn't take any of it with him. There's stories of people being buried with money in their pockets and great jewellery that they loved and it's rotting in the ground. So how do we reflect on the reality that none of us, what we do achieve, we can take with us, that we are striving after the wind? I think when I consider that, again, this cannot be the ultimate. What we are striving after, what we might even grab hold of in this life, cannot be the end goal and purpose because it will fade away. Finally, kind of contradictorily, but to give you a little ray of hope, the last thing that the writer of Ecclesiastes repeats over and over again in this kind of circle going around of reflecting on toil under the sun is that we can find some satisfaction in it. While it's not the ultimate, while we'll never be content, while we'll never win and we can't take it with us, we can in the moment, in the day-to-day, -day, find some satisfaction or some contentment. This is why I think the mean word meaningless is a bad translation of Hebel, because he's not saying there is no meaning at all. It's challenging, it's hard, you can't make it the ultimate, you can't put your hope in it, it can't be the be-all and end-it-all, but even in the midst of the daily grind, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, you can find joy and you can find purpose. The key seems to be not looking for ultimate meaning, not looking to win and beat everybody else, but enjoying 
the day-to-day within the framework of a larger perspective. He seems to suggest that it is actually in the routine and the mundane that we can find some sense of satisfaction and meaning. And I find this really challenging for me, as, you know, even if we talk about ministry as a job, but even in my job, <laughs> it can be about, you know, you can get into the mindset of thinking it's about what comes at the end and lose sight of what's happening in the moment along the way. And the writer of Ecclesiastes seems to want to bring our perspective back to the day-to-day and the moment and say, where is satisfaction? Where is joy? Where is meaning? Not in the one day that may never come or that when it does come will not be what you think it is. But where is it right here and right now? It also made me reflect on the worst job that I've ever had. I don't know about you, you can do your own reflections. The worst job that I've ever had was when I was at university and I worked for Franklin's as a stock taker. And we went to a different Franklin store every week. We got up at early in the morning. We started at 7 a.m. every Monday. We went to Franklin's and we counted their stock. And so I'd be sitting on the ground in the dusty aisle of a Franklin store. They don't exist anymore, but they used to have really, really narrow aisles in the supermarket. Be sitting on the floor counting cans of peas. And then, like, by hand, you know, and then counting, like, packets of elastic bands. It was a really good day when you got on the toilet roll aisle because those are really easy to count because they're big and they're like, you're just done, right? It's when you've got this little tiny thing, you just count it. And it was like, so boring and so repetitive and so mundane and so depressing. And yet, I actually look back on that job with a little bit of fondness. Um, I've never done anything quite like it. But I remember there were days when you would actually come and something would be really messy And as you took it out to count, you could put it back in order and you'd see them all stacked up neatly and like, oh, look at what I have done. And then a customer would come along and destroy it. But um, (laughs) trying to find some sense of purpose and meaning and order, even in the mundane and the ordinary. I don't know what it is for you and how you might find that. But really, why I look back on that job with some fondness is the people I worked with. I ended up meeting these women uh, who would drive to work together because we worked at a different store each week, so we would drive all over Adelaide. And so we would meet at the bottom of the freeway at 6 a.m. on a Monday morning and we'd carpool and we'd drive to wherever we were going. And in those car rides, I got to know these people. One of them was a a Jehovah's Witness and she was kind of telling about, you know, trying to convert me and telling me about her faith. Another one was an atheist and then I was a Christian and we'd have these discussions in the car. Um, And then sometimes we'd get, you know, put on the same aisle while we were counting and you could kind of almost continue the conversation and other times you'd just be reflecting and thinking, what am I going to say in the car on the way home? But somehow, because participating alongside other people in the day-to-day stuff of life, there were glimpses of hope and meaning and purpose. So I guess the question is reflection for all of us. When we find ourselves in those situations, when we feel like today is just going to look exactly like yesterday, I'm doing something that I don't seem to find the purpose and satisfaction in, where is it right here and right now that I can find a glimpse of purpose and beauty and community? I think the reason I put it as a circle is because it's when we try to find ultimate meaning in the daily grind that we end up back in it. It's all too hard. I can't find ultimate meaning in it. I have to do it. It doesn't feel like, it, you know, we, I'm never going to get there. We, I can't take it with me. And, but when we find the joy and the satisfaction in the moment and trust that meaning in and of itself must come from outside. So the writers of Ecclesiastes, although it's a pretty depressing book, it's not all bleak. There's a call to us to seek joy in the midst. And I think there's a call to us to say ultimate meaning 
must come from outside the circle. The daily grind cannot be all we are here for. So perhaps what the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to do, some people suggest this, and perhaps what I've tried to do this morning, is to depress us so much (laughs) with the routines and the mundane challenges and the difficulties and the harrowing parts of daily life in this world under the sun to cry out and say there must be something more. Because if this is all there is, we're screwed. If this is it, if this is the end of the story, then we might as well all give up right here and right now. There must be something more. And right in the middle of this reflection on the toil and life under the sun in Ecclesiastes, which is really from chapter 2 through to chapter 5, in the middle of that, Delete read it to us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, is this really interesting verse where the writer says, but God has placed eternity in the hearts of human beings. God has placed eternity in our hearts. We need to look outside the daily grind for ultimate meaning, and when we reflect on how difficult and challenging and lacking in uh, firmness, or what's the the opposite of ephemeral, um, lacking in substance it all is, We cry out from the depths of our very being, there must be more than this. And I think that's what the writer's saying when he says we have eternity in our hearts. There's a reason that we look at people going through the motions and say that can't be all there is. There's a reason when we find ourselves not wanting to get out of bed in the morning, we say there must be more. There is a reason why when any person dies, I don't care how old or how young they are, we say this is not right. This is not how it's meant to be. Life under the sun The writer of Ecclesiastes says, life without Jesus is a chasing after the wind. But God has given us this knowledge, this longing, this hope. There's only a glimmer of it in Ecclesiastes. There must be something more. And so I think in the end, what the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to do is set us up to be expectant, to be longing, to be looking And his answer is you might just see a glimpse of it. It might just be one little glimmer of joy and hope in the midst of the the day-to-day challenge. But then Jesus comes and we find that there's more than a glimpse. There is the breaking in of a new kingdom and a new creation that is of eternity, that is not of the daily grind. And there's a reason why people were so attracted to the person of Jesus Christ because he showed them that this is not all there is. He actually gave them not a glimpse, but a substantive, a person you can actually touch and hold and get a handle on. Reality from outside of what we thought was a closed circle of the daily grind, of the life under the sun, of this world. Jesus is God's evidence that there is something more. And his resurrection from the dead, conquering what we thought was the end of the story, that we all die, that the mortality rate is 100%, actually is evidence that that too is not all there is. So the mortality rate currently in the world sits at something like 99.999% but there is one. There is one who has shown that this life is not all there is and that death is not the end. And we look to him for hope and meaning and purpose.
So what does that mean when you get up tomorrow morning and you realise what you've got to do to get through the day and you just want to pull the covers over your head and say, no, thank you, I'll just go back to sleep? Well, I think there's probably two suggestions I have for you. One is we can listen to the writer of Ecclesiastes. He is a wise man. He has something to say even though he doesn't fully get it. And his advice would be, look for the glimpses. Look for the glimmers of hope and beauty and new creation and renewal. What is the thing in your life that most resonates with this idea of the daily grind where you most find either boring or challenging or difficult or all too much? And is there some glimpse, some glimmer somewhere in that? But I also think we need to look to Jesus and say it is in fact in the feeling of this can't be enough that we are drawn to him. God has placed eternity in our hearts when we experience the grind and the challenge and the depression and the pessimism of all too hard. That is actually what brings us to our knees and calls us to cry out for Jesus and to say, we need you because there must be something more. So I want to finish by asking you to do one thing for me. So we've been doing each week because I can talk all day and you know, go around in circles just like the writer of Ecclesiastes does and I don't know what God wants to say into your world, into your life. That's between you and him. But I want to ask you to take a moment. And we might do it individually this morning rather than with other people. So I want to take a moment, just you and God, to close your eyes. And I want to ask you, what is one thing that resonates for you? One of those phrases that resonates for your life right now. Is it, it just all feels too hard? Is it, there's no way out, I just want to hit pause? Is it, I'm striving and I'm never getting there, it's never enough? Or is it, I'm actually achieving and amassing, but I know that I'm not going to be able to take it with me? Or is it that I can need to find satisfaction? What is it from Ecclesiastes that resonates for you? And how is that calling you to cry out to Jesus, to long for him, to look to him and his breaking in kingdom and say, there must be more. Show me what that more is. King Jesus, Ecclesiastes is a dark and depressing and difficult book and I sometimes wish it wasn't in the Bible, but at least the writer is honest. Life is hard and many of us find ourselves day by day in situations where we want to opt out, we want to find some sense of meaning and purpose, but we can't quite grab hold of it. Jesus, we pray that you might help us let those things drive us to you, 
rather than pretend they don't exist, rather than pretend everything is just all sunshine and roses, when we experience the darkness and the challenge and the routine and the mundane and the boring and the difficult and the death of this world, show us where you have placed eternity in our hearts so that we might cry out with longing to you, Jesus. And I thank you, King Jesus, that we're not crying out for something that is ephemeral, that is a wind chasing, that we can never grab hold of, but that you are real, that you have entered into our world. You are king and your kingdom is breaking into this world and we can grab hold of it with both hands. We want to consider and learn from the wise sages of the ancient past, like the writer of Ecclesiastes, for we don't live where they lived while our world might feel sometimes the same. King Jesus, you are making all things new. Lord, I pray that my thoughts and ramblings and, and even the thoughts of the writer of Ecclesiastes, if they are not what you have for each one of us today, they would fade away, but you'd help us to grab hold of Jesus this morning. That all that we have talked about would drive us to him. And I pray that this week, this day by day, as we enter into the challenges and difficulties that many of us face, or as we enjoy life but see those around us facing challenges and difficulties, that we would have our eyes open to glimpse you, King Jesus, and be drawn to what you are doing around us, among us, and in us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.